Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by TheFrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. This is what I want, this is what I need, if you don't have to go. I can set you free Are you gonna make a move? Are you gonna come and see? Whatever you wanna do You know what's cool with me Today's podcast is a solo episode and I'm answering questions that have been submitted via close friends only. If you're not part of the close friends community, come on over, join in. It's basically, I mean, I've explained it so many times, but just in case you are new here, close friends is an Instagram function where I can share stories with a selection of people, like a smaller group of people and really nurture that smaller group and find out, I guess, what it is that you guys are interested in and give a lot of attention and focus to that rather than spending time on Instagram stories kind of mindlessly or I don't know, like speaking to a really large group of people who don't even really care. I'd rather speak to the people that have opted in and want to be here. So you can join close friends easily enough by just going to any of my posts on Instagram, best to do it to the most recent one and just comment close friends and we will get you in there. So I asked close friends to submit some questions and I'm going to go through and answer those now. Number one, how important are manners for kids? Example, don't give them food to kids until they say please. What are your thoughts on this? So manners to me are incredibly important for all ages. I am big on manners with the boys. I've always spoken to them using manners. And I think that's probably been like the the way that they've learned to have manners so well and so easily because I've always said things to them like, can you please go and have your bath now? Could you please pass me that? Thank you. Like I still say now to them, they're nearly nine and I'll say, thanks for telling me that. Like if they share something with me, I think role modeling manners is just the fastest way to instill that value in your children if a really young child came over to me and said, I want a biscuit, I would probably just repeat, I'd like a biscuit, please, mum. And, you know, encourage them. Like I wouldn't be like, say it like this, but I would just probably just parrot that back so that they know that's the way that we ask. I would never say, you're not getting this until you use your manners. I don't think that it has to be a harsh thing because kids are often just busy and they forget but you can gently remind them. But honestly, just role modeling manners is the best way to do it. Become aware of how you speak to other people as well. You might realize that you're speaking to people in your life, whether it's your family members, your partner, um, just people out and about in the street. If you're not using your manners, that's what kids absorb to be a normal way to communicate. 
Manners are important. Role modeling, I think, is the best way to do it. Number two, do I see marriage in my future with Brendan? All right. I, um, like a couple of years ago, would have said, even a year ago, truthfully, a year ago, I would have said, I will never get married ever again. Going through a hard divorce will often harden you and make you never want to experience, you know, never ever get even close to experiencing that again, because it can just be so disastrous in so many ways, emotionally, financially, um, in in all of the ways. So a year ago, I would have said I would never, ever get married again. Fast forward, having been with Brendan for six months now, I would marry him tomorrow. It's like, you know, as cliche as it sounds. And of course, I'm aware that it's very early days, but I just would. I just would. There are things that I would um, do differently for sure. But yeah, I do imagine myself marrying Brendan. Then I do have moments, like I said to him the other day, I don't even know if I'd ever, you know, want a wedding wedding. Like I would just perhaps want to go to a registry office and do it. It's an interesting thing, but yes, I do see it in the future. What would you say has been your biggest life lesson? Number three. Okay. My biggest life lesson. I mean, there are so many. I think the first thing that came to mind then is that you often get what you need, not what you want. So often the universe will serve you up something and it seems really unpalatable, like something that you just do not want. Why is this happening to you? And then you get a little further along and you realize, oh, that's why. I see now. I see why that challenge, why that hard time was placed in front of me. I needed it as an expander. So that might be my biggest life lesson is the fact that when things are hard, you really don't ever know what is coming around the corner and what you're going to learn from it. I think something I've learned as well is you really can channel your sadness and your hard times and use it as fuel to push forward into something bigger and better and brighter for yourself. Now, there are certainly times in life when just shitty things happen and there's just no purpose in trying to find the bright side or the message from it. But in a lot of cases, a lot, a lot of cases, there is post-traumatic or post-challenge growth that really can propel you, like quantum leap you forward into the next version of yourself. So that would probably be my biggest life lesson. Next up, I'd love if you could help by doing a podcast on a codependent mum. I'm struggling to set boundaries. Oh, my love. Okay, two podcast episodes to go and listen to right now or re-listen if you've listened to them in the past. Boundaries, my episode with Dr. Rebecca Ray. Brilliant. Number two, like I mean brilliant because Rebecca Ray is brilliant. Number two, there is a podcast episode called The Mother Wound with Laura Corcoran. Laura is a holistic psychologist. She is brilliant on the topic of codependence and entanglement with our parents. Um, The way that she explains having to really separate and realize that you are a separate person from your parent is really helpful. 
if you're not following Laura on social media as well, she's someone that's definitely worth having in your feed. I'm fairly sure her Instagram username is my, no, her successful mind. Um, but yeah, have a listen to those two episodes. It's great that you're aware that your mum is codependent on you, which means she's using you to regulate her feelings and she feels very entangled with you. Like you are an integral part of her identity and you're so right. Boundaries, you know, boundaries, establishing a boundary is going to be a step in the right direction. And it's not necessarily going to be easy or a one-time boundary. It's going to be continually re-establishing boundaries, but it can be done and it will be a gift for your relationship overall, but it can be really, really hard to feel like you have to be the adult and draw that boundary. It sucks. I've experienced it myself, not the codependence, but having to have boundaries with your own parents just to preserve your own mental health for sure. Next up, how have you managed shared custody with your ex tips, please? So we do have shared custody. The boys are with me more. Um, how do we share custody? <sighs> I'm kind of like, oh, I should have prepared for this question. I think the most important thing from my perspective is to always have the kid's best interest as my North Star. Nothing else matters to me. I always prioritize the kids and their best interest. So I will always communicate anything that's going on in our household that will help their experience be cohesive between the two houses. I think it's really important to remember it's a big deal for kids to go between two houses often. And so the more cohesion, the better. So clear and kind communication is important. I also think boundaries, again, on the same topic of boundaries with your parents, boundaries with your ex is important as well. We don't have a lot of crossover with parenting, um, but that's just the way that it is at the moment. I will do another episode specifically on co-parenting. And in fact, I've done some in the past um, I've had a lawyer on before, so maybe have a look back through the old back catalog, but it can certainly be tricky. But I think as long as you keep coming back to what is in the best interest of your children, you can never go wrong. Next up, what work have you done recently on fear of further relationship breakdowns after separation? I've done a lot of work on myself in willing in like being willing to be vulnerable and open and understanding if I want a big love I have to be vulnerable and show up in a way that allows me to have that big love because if I keep my walls up and I have this fear of going through a separation again I'm never going to get what it is that I truly desire because the fear will stay in my way but recently we did go through something that triggered a massive fear for me in ever, ever having a baby and then never having, and then not having that baby with me all the time that I didn't realize is really below the surface for me. That's a, a big fear about having another child because I have two beautiful boys and I didn't realize how sad I am still underneath the surface that sometimes they're not with me. And again, humans, we're full of contradictions. You know, I get to the the sixth day and I know that 
we all obviously we, we all need a breather I don't actually think the kids do but I know that I need a chance to work and reset and it's great that they go and they have time with their dad but I do deeply miss them three nights in a row without the boys feels unnatural still to me and still feels hard and so I didn't realize that fear of growing the family is is like that's a trigger for me the fear of having a baby and then not having that baby with me 100% of the time and I say baby but even when they're 10 you know I still think of my boys as babies so that's something I am currently working on confronting and accepting and I think it's all to do with control right and safety we all want to feel in control and feel safe and secure and like we can safely predict an outcome but we can't. None of us have that ability to control things. So there's acceptance and surrender and really sitting with my fear and what it means to me. So I actually have therapy booked back in. I haven't seen my therapist in a little while. I'm going to go and have a chat with her about those fears that have come up for me amongst other things. I think a lot of the work is just being cognizant of what is below the surface, what it feels like when you're triggered and what that fear means and what belief is attached to that fear and dissolving it a little bit because that anxiety and fear exists above what you're really feeling. It's almost like this lens on what you're feeling where you just don't really want to look at it, but because you're not looking at it, it feels murky and scary. Whereas if you're willing to remove that lens, shine a light on the fear and get clear about what it means to you, it does kind of dissolve a little bit. Next up, would you ever consider doing a mentoring mentoring kind of thing? I'd love the guidance. Um, I would consider it in the future, but not right now. Right now, I'm still working on me, still building. Like I said, I'll always be working on me, but really focused on work. Work is a big focus for me over the next couple of months. And I would only ever want to go into some sort of mentoring arrangement if I felt I could really give it the time and attention it deserves to really get to know someone and understand motivations and really be super, super invested. And I just don't have that space right now because I would have to take that space from another area of my life and I'm just not willing to at the moment because I've got bills to pay, I've got goals to reach, I've got things I want to grow, but I do love the concept of mentoring and it's something I would love, love, love to do in some sort of capacity in the future. But for now, we've got the podcast The podcast is going to have an exciting new feature soon, which I think will kind of meet that mentoring need a little bit more than it does currently. Um, And we also have the blueprint and yeah, that's, that's all the offerings at the moment. Hopefully events again soon. Next up, how do you find space to always be mindful? I lose myself too easily to outside stress. So firstly, I am not always mindful. I am as prone to losing myself to outside stress as the next person, as the next person, excuse me. I just like every other human, when I feel something uncomfortable below the surface, my first instinct is to fill that void with a distraction or to not look at it, to suffocate it. But I have learned over the last couple of years, if I do that, it always ends up worse than just facing the problem. So it's not like I have this automatic 
um, response to always be super mindful. It's something I choose to try and work at because I understand the value in it. Being mindful of my emotions and my feelings and what's coming up for me has been the single best gift of my whole life, I think, and a gift to the people around me as well. I think you can cultivate mindfulness of how you're feeling with really simple self-interrogation just by asking yourself, how am I feeling and what do I need? Meeting your own needs rather than outsourcing them to someone else or seeking validation or escaping. You know, I had a propensity towards escaping into podcast series when I was really stressed because if I could just listen to someone else's thoughts, then I wouldn't have to deal with my own. So just being aware, I think, is the key to mindfulness. Journaling really helps you stay connected to how you actually feel as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What is something you would tell your younger self? Hmm. I would tell her to be less concerned about being good and being quiet and being compliant and less concerned about the way that she presents herself and more concerned about the way she actually truly feels. That's what I would tell myself. And again, I would stress that every single hard thing is sent to you for a reason. There's a podcast I listened to ages ago It's the Lex Friedman podcast with a philosopher or professor, probably both, Manolis Kellis on the meaning of life. And he said he really likes to look at all challenges in life like a video game. Like each challenge is sent to him as if he's in his own video game. And that challenge is designed for him to overcome because it's going to give him a skill set to take into the next challenge or a life lesson that he really had to take on board. He didn't say it, I'm paraphrasing, but that was he was much more um, well-spoken and deep than that. But he was basically saying if we all were to think of life as our own video game and understand everything that's sent to us is designed for us. I think that that's a really, really powerful sentiment. And that's helpful to me. Do you think you will share with the boys the experience of the past few weeks? So if you're not sure what we're referring to here, I said on social media that Brendan and I went through something personally very challenging together, but I wasn't willing to speak about it on social media, nor was I willing to speak about it on the podcast because we made a team decision that we weren't going to talk about it with the kids. And if I'm not going to talk about it with the kids, I'm not going to talk about it with strangers because I don't want it getting back to the boys. And we made that decision because they're eight years old 
they've got their own stuff going on. And whilst I'm still processing, whilst Brendan's still processing, whilst we're just healing and loving each other and looking after each other and finding the meaning in it all and acceptance, um, that's not necessarily the time to be able to answer big questions from curious eight-year-olds on the same topic. And that's a bit different for me because I'm usually very raw with the kids, but I also um, really want to protect protect them in in some ways. And so when we go through hard things, I will talk about them with the boys, but I will often wait till I'm really through it and I have clear perspective and I know that I can support them in the best way possible as well. Hopefully that answers the question and I apologize for the ambiguity, but I am really practicing boundaries with sharing and oversharing information that is not just mine to share. And also just, I've really learned how important it is to lean on my real life friends And I've had some really beautiful and amazing and sad conversations with my real friends who I've known for years who love and support me and look after me. And I think because I'm really leaning into that, I feel a little bit of like a decreased need to get on the podcast and talk about these sorts of things that are personal. Um, But that's not to say that I won't one day, but just not today. Are you still a big reader? any new recommendations. I recommended the book um, Fair Play recently in my recommendation list. I'm just about finished that book. I have another book which I bought in Byron Bay. I can't remember the title of it. I'm not loving it, so I probably won't say the title just yet. If I get another few chapters into it and it turns and it's really great, I might share it then. I definitely still love to read, but I haven't been reading as much um, or as many books. I've just tried to go a little easier on consumption. And I think to having Brendan now living with us, I'm having so many more real conversations and I'm meeting needs in a different way. You know, I'm watching more TV. I'm enjoying that type of connection and that consumption that is a joint consumption and I have been reading less books but that's life I go through stages and phases then I'll pick up another great book and I'll be very into a genre Um, but for now I don't have any amazing recommendations to share Um, there's a couple of questions here about someone and their friend having had boys three weeks apart six years ago so two friends both have six-year-olds but her friend has a very different parenting style and her boy's behavior is not something I want to see in my little guy. The question is, how do I navigate this? Keeping in mind, I am still close with the friend, the boy's mum. So that can be really tricky when you've got friends that have very different parenting styles, but I really, you know, and I, of course I don't know the full picture. I only have this information in front of me. But I would really encourage you to love and support your friend if their son, their child has a challenging behavior. They're probably just doing the best that they can at the moment and it might not be exactly what you would do, but you just don't know how you'd react unless you're in that circumstance and you might look at the behavior and think there's a simple solution to that behavior. 
but it can often be so much more complex and none of us are as straightforward as we think. When it comes to not wanting your child around certain behavior, I don't have any context here. So I don't know whether that's, you know, this child is using bad language or hitting and hurting your child. I would certainly understand not wanting your child around another kid that's physically hurting them or emotionally hurting them. But if it's a child that's acting out, please don't think that your child will automatically pick up that behavior. It could actually be a really great learning moment and supporting moment and accepting moment of someone else being separate and not having to act in the same way but observing that action and then what do you do because that's a life skill we're all going to go through life when someone acts in a way that we don't like and we have to have the resilience to deal with it again I don't have all of the information here um, if you're really close friends with this mum and you value the friendship, can you delicately have the conversation about your concerns? Can you draw some boundaries? Is it that you are spending a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time together with the kids as well? And do you need to just dial back that kid interaction and have some more adult interaction? Maybe your friend is really struggling with the behavior of the child or not knowing what to do and they just need to, you know, connect with someone and talk about it. And there are parenting courses online. There are so many books. So, I mean, I just wouldn't jump to that's a bad kid and I don't want, and this is not what you're saying at all, but I would hate anyone to think, oh, that's a bad kid and I don't want my kid around them and not give the other child a chance, you know, depending on what the behavior is and what's happening for that kid. I don't know if that's helpful, but that's just what came up for me. Next question is kind of in line with um, behavior for kids. How did you handle sibling hitting and kicking? I'm really struggling. I will be 100% off honest here. The boys do not hit or kick each other or anyone else. They are very, very placid boys. I have people all the time respond to me with some sort of groan or inference about how hard it must be having twin boys, how wild it is. And don't get me wrong, they have their wild moments. Brendan calls it their red frog moments when they go a little crazy. You know, they can be a bit wild and jump off the wall into the pool and run around the house and be a bit silly, but they never purposefully hurt one another. Like they just do not they don't do it. They're really, really kind kids. And I think that's just um, just their nature. I, I can't imagine one of them ever walking up and hitting the other or intentionally kicking. They're very, very caring. In fact, they get quite upset if they accidentally hurt the other person. So I haven't had to handle um, full-on sibling hitting or kicking and I can imagine that that is so difficult and I feel for you and I can empathize like and imagine why you would feel like you're struggling in that situation because how exhausting to feel like you're a constant referee I grew up in a house where we were pretty physical three girls and there was hitting and slapping and kicking I mean we got smacked with belts I can remember all sorts of things happening to us where it was like physical pain was kind of the currency. You know, I, I wouldn't say that we were abused, but we were definitely physically punished. Um, you know, like cakes of soap in the mouth, pinched, slapped, hit, all of that stuff. 
And I do wonder, I'm, this is, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. I'm certainly not saying that you are doing any of those behaviors, but I do wonder with my boys, because I've really tried to not raise my voice at them, tried to be as calm as possible if that has rubbed off on them. Whereas when I grew up, like my sisters and I, we would pull each other's hair. It's like, we didn't really have the language to deal with whatever was going on for us, we would use that physicality. So depending on the age, I wonder if language, you know, giving them the words that they can use. Also consequences are important and there are natural consequences and imposed consequences. So maybe having, you know, a chat with your support people, whether you've got a partner or it's your parents or school teachers about what are some consequences you are comfortable with imposing at home. So it could be things like, and again, I don't know how old your kids are, but if you physically hurt your brother or sister, that means there's no screen time for the rest of the day. Um, that sort of consequence it means the play date is cancelled and actually following through with it is really, really important. And it sucks to be the bad guy and have to be the one to follow through. But in my experience, if you follow through a few times and then they know that you mean business, when you remind them of the consequences, they believe you and are much more likely to see the error of their ways. But often hitting and kicking is about communication frustration or not being sure of how to process what they're feeling and to get what they want. So maybe getting to the core of what are you trying to achieve with this behavior because it's a symptomatic thing, you know, like hitting, kicking, biting, it's a symptom. It's not the actual root cause of what's going on. Um, key lessons you have learned in life that you want your kids to know as a kid or adult. Back to those things that I mentioned earlier, like my big life lesson and what I would tell myself, they're probably the most important. Something I want my boys to really both know is I just want them to be themselves, whatever that is. I don't care. I don't mind at all their life choices. I don't mind anything as long as they're being truly authentic to who they are. That's all I want for them. Um, I'm going through a separation. How do I deal with my ex moving on? You always have good perspective. Going through a separation is so hard. Keep an eye out for surviving separation. It's something I've been working on. I will let you know when it is available. It will be your breakup best friend and it's going to help you with the moving on process. Right now, though, say asking me how to deal with your ex moving on please just really focus on yourself. Try not to make them, your, like your ex and what's going on for them, a main character in your life right now. Focus on your own journey and your own healing. And I know that is hard, particularly if you were together for a long time and they were so important to you. It's so painful. It can be painful to think about them moving on. I would encourage you to keep circling back to why that relationship is not working, why that relationship didn't work for you, what are the things that you didn't get from that relationship, and what are you hoping to get from your next relationship. Really, like, 
when you are worried about your ex moving on, often it's because you're thinking about the good times and the stuff that you're missing out on. And you might have your rose colored glasses on and you're remembering only the good times. I'd encourage you to get in touch with the times that were not so good and remember the reasons why that relationship did not work out. And your energy right now is a precious, precious resource. Do not waste energy on worrying about what your ex is doing. Just worry about you and yourself. Um, Okay, this is a three-part question. I'm keen to know how has your ex-husband adjusted in your view? And I'm glad you put in my view because I don't know. (laughs) Um, To Brendan taking on such a great active role with the boys, especially considering he spends more time with them due to the rotational co-parenting roster that's a very thoughtful question I can't speak too much to how someone else feels I can say that Brendan definitely spends a large amount of time with the boys because we do have them more and we live together and Brendan is so passionate about being a really good role model to them I can't speak too much to it really but I appreciate the thoughtful nature of the question when did Brendan move in and how did you come to that decision? Um, we came to that. I mean, we've been living together for ages now. <laughs> um, but when did Brendan move in and how did you come to that decision? Mainly just because like logistically, and it also just feels right. Logistically, Brendan was, Brendan was here all the time. It wasn't like a logistical option really for me to be there all the time this is where the kids live, this is where the kids' school is. And Brendan and I realized really quickly after I let my initial walls down that it just felt really natural and really easy and normal to be together. And we both kind of just felt very early on that this was like going to be a big love for us and it was going to be long-term and that if we're going to do it, we're going to do it and dive in. And so we did dive in Uh, logistically it didn't make sense for him to be paying to live somewhere else that he was never there it also just became like one of those things that was a bit annoying because he'd leave things there and then things like annoying for him I mean in terms of stopping off all over the place and it just kind of felt right it wasn't um I don't know like we didn't have a big list of pros and cons it was just like the obvious thing to happen so yeah um tips for a woman who struggles to meet her own needs it was never modeled and I find it so hard so good that you realize that it wasn't modeled for you and that's probably why there's a bit of resistance around it Um, I think tips for like how to meet your own needs the first thing is to actually understand what your needs are what do you need what you know do you need time do you need resources do you need space do you need creativity do you need stimulation what is it that you need and what are the priorities and then what are your actual real life limitations because you might realize that you need freedom and so you think oh great I'm going to go on a huge holiday I'm going to go on a massive adventure because that will give me a sense of freedom 
but realistically you probably have a job maybe you have kids and you can't just pack up and go so what is a realistic option to meeting that need within your own set of limitations maybe desiring more freedom means that you talk to your support network and once every four weeks or whatever is realistic for you because we all have different limitations but once however often it can be you take the Saturday morning to yourself and you have four hours where you don't plan anything and that is your freedom time to meet that need so first things first understand what are your needs understand your limitations, have actual real tangible ways that you can meet it because it's all well and good to go. I know I need to look after myself, but if you don't get clear on what looking after yourself means, it's just this ambiguous concept that exists somewhere in the in the distant future. But if you're very clear on self-care for me means a massage once a month, self-care for me for me, excuse me, means getting to the gym. It means this, it means time with my friends get clear and then actually plan things in and understand that there is probably going to be some discomfort and resistance surrounding allocating those resources to yourself if you were never um, privy to someone role modeling that that is okay for you but understanding that you are a role model now to those people around you and you have this opportunity to step up and role model that self-care is important and meeting your own needs is important so just know that you can do things even if it's uncomfortable there's another part from that um, the same person who asked that question that said i'm so bad i drive my husband crazy with my inability to do anything for myself. Yeah, so this often happens where partners will be like, go and do something, but you continually say, no, 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 I don't want to. But then you end up getting cranky and um, resenting the fact that you're not doing anything for yourself, even though you're not willing to say, I need this. So understand it might be uncomfortable. It might not feel natural to you to begin with, but the rewards of looking after yourself like just extend so much more beyond you personally just feeling good and it goes out to your relationship your work your family life everything around you that overflow effect get clear book it in understand it might be uncomfortable but do it anyway that whole feel the fear but do it anyway all right the last one i will answer is what are your goals to achieve by the end of the year, personal and business? So business-wise, we've definitely got plans for the podcast in terms of expansion and growth and another option for people who really do love the podcast. Um, Just another option to, I guess, nurture people and for me to be able to continue doing what it is that I want to do. That's a massive, massive focus for me right now as is finishing Surviving Separation. We have some amazing contributors who are finalizing their content to go into that program, um, including lawyers, psychologists, a psychologist for for children as well, so you can support your kids through it. I think that resource is going to be absolutely a game changer for people who are going through breakups. I really, truly think it's probably like my best best work yet this whole surviving separation so I want that live I want this bonus feature that we're going to have with the podcast live and I'll talk about that more at another later date um that's business wise right now they're probably my two biggest focus biggest (laughs) that's my biggest 
focus right now. I can't speak. Um, Personal goals. Brendan and I definitely have goals together and things we want to achieve, especially with some stuff that we just went through personally. It's really been a big kick up the bottom for both of us to go, okay, what is it that we want to do? We want to take the boys on an overseas trip. We do want to, I'm not going to go into stuff actually without Brendan here. I'll come back to this question when he's here next to me and we feel comfortable sharing certain things. But personally, we just, yeah, we're both really looking forward to Christmas. We both want to take the kids on a holiday. We'd love to do a child-free holiday as well, but it's tricky because we don't really have anyone else who could look after the boys for more than three nights. So there's a few little things in there and then there are some bigger things for us as well that we've spoken about which again, back to oversharing, I just, I, I will wait and chat with him on the podcast as well. But I really do appreciate those of you who have submitted questions. I'm very, very grateful for this close friends community. And if you're not yet part of it, jump over to Instagram, comment close friends on my latest post, and we will get you in on that list. I really look forward to speaking with you soon. I hope some of the things I've touched on today are helpful for someone out there listening. I always appreciate you letting me know if they are. You can always slide into my DMs or leave a comment over on Instagram. I'll chat with you very, very soon. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going to make a move? Are you going to come and see? Whatever you What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.